shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. Y'all know what's up. Men, women, and children, hope is in the building. Hey, that is the second time I've done that rap since I started. You guys want to do it with me? Ready? Men, women, and children, hope is in the building. What do you think? I love it. I love it. Hey, we're going to fade out Dr. Delight here. And uh, I just want to say welcome to the next episode of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique Whitaker Guzman Archibald Cabello or Los for short. Good night, nurse. This is the end. It is the end, the last little tidbit of my tour. And can I tell you what? I am feeling every last bit of it. First and foremost, thank you to all of you that have come to every single show. Annie and I are overwhelmed, honestly. Like, let me just be honest. I'm a man of the people. Y'all know I do these Insta Familia meetups, right? Like I let the corporations pay to fly me to speak at their corporate events. And then I take the, I take my my flights that they pay for, my hotel they pay for, the what they pay me to speak. And then what I like to do is just like do these Insta Familia meetups, right? And I'm like, hey, y'all meet me at the bar at 10 p.m. And then, you know, 30 of you, 20 of you will show up. But right now I'm asking the Insta Familia to pay your hard earned money your dinero, to come and hang out with me at these shows. And that's taken some work for me to get to the place where I'm like, I am charging people to hang out with me now. Now, look, I know, I know all of you tell me all the time, oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was worth it, all the things, but I can't, I just still can't get there. Maybe I'll never be able to get there. Maybe that's just a part of who I am, but I am overwhelmed that you would spend your hard earned money to come hang out with me. Now, here's the cool thing. My mind is just building as to what does the next iteration of the Insta Familia on tour look like? 
my management team, myself, we're starting to dream. Like, what, what are we going to do next year? How are we going to do this again? How can we go bigger, better? What's it going to look like? If I mean, what if we did like an entire day of Instafamilianus? Like, what if we like started off at like noon and did like a service project in the city that we're at? And then we get together later that evening with a friend of mine that I'm by on stage. And then we, I don't know, like, I just think that we can do things together. We can do live events. This is putting the bug in me and I don't want to stop. So I'm a, I'm a little sad that as of this recording, when you hear this Thursday morning, we will have three shows left. Thursday night, like tonight, when you're listening to this, if you're listening to this on the day of, we're in Kansas City, Missouri. So listen, if you're if you're listening to Kansas City and you haven't picked up a ticket, this is $29. That's three venti skinny hazelnut lattes. Give up the caffeine for three days or just get a regular coffee and come on, hang out. And then tomorrow night, we are in Dallas, Texas. And then we're ending this bad boy in Austin, Texas. And it's been amazing. I think I am, I was talking with Whitney. I think I am going to unpack the whole tour thing in general. My, the first time I'm headlining a tour, like all of the feelings that I have, all the complicated emotions, maybe maybe I can invite, invite today's guest back on the podcast to help me. You know, as a psychologist, Dan Allender is literally one of my heroes. You know, there's not a lot of people that I interview on this podcast that I like geek out about and not because people aren't important and, or have cool stories. I just like, you know, I'm, I'm never like wooed by celebrity. And to most people, most people don't even know who Dan Allender is. I have been following Dan Allender's work for a long time. And he, he is literally a hero of mine. And so when he said yes, like it was hard to get him on this podcast. He's got a lot of things to do. He runs the Allender Center up in Seattle. He is a trauma specialized therapist. He teaches trauma therapy to people. And the way that this man interweaves the natural and the supernatural when it comes to healing, the way he interweaves what trauma is versus what trauma isn't, the way he is able to help us with our stories. This was one of the more special podcasts that I have ever recorded. And I'm so grateful that Dan agreed to be a part of this. Uh, poor Dan doesn't know, but he's he's now found his new stalker, which is me. Now that I've got his number, uh, at least I think I got his number, maybe his assistance. I'm going to be bothering him all the time because... I don't want to give up on the goodness that he has. He also talks about how, you know, now he's in, his, I think he's into his seventies, maybe, maybe I got that wrong, but I think he is. And how much more life he has left, how much more stuff he has left to give. So today is going to blow your minds. Please, Human Hope family, sit back, pull out a pen, a journal, whatever it is, and enjoy this conversation with your new friend, Dan Allender. Okay, so Human Hope Familia, I have my new friend, Dan Allender, on with me. Dan, thank you so much for jumping in and having a conversation with me and a couple thousand of my friends. Carlos, uh, it's such an honor to be with you. Oh, thanks so much. So listen, here, here's the thing. The first time that I kind of started following your work, I was going through a really difficult season in my life, and this was probably 2014, 2015. And I've been following the work of John Eldridge for a, a long time. And maybe it was in a newsletter. I don't know. This is 2014. Maybe he was still mailing things in the mail that I may have opened up uh, on my kitchen table. But it was an invitation to a conference that I have only, I need to tell you and everyone else listening, I've only ever paid 
to go to one conference in my life. I normally go and speak at conferences. I'm asked to, I saw this and I said, I'm buying a plane ticket. And I flew to Colorado Springs and I walked into this big church with a bunch of flags and things kind of hanging on the, and it was, it was you and John did this. I, I can't remember what it was called. It was something of the heart or restoration of the heart. That was it. That was it. And so he, there I sat all alone in a pew in the back, sobbing my eyes out mm. while you and John did something during those few days for me that was so beneficial to my life. What you did is you aligned for me the fact that there can be inner healing prayer and like all the things that my church was telling me that I needed to do to get help, but also talk therapy and psychologists and all these things. And suddenly I found myself in a room with what seemed like to me for so long in my head, it was like, oh, these are two enemies when it comes to how to, how to get things done in, in healing and trauma. But suddenly I'm in a place where, where no, you, we were actually doing things together. Do you remember that conference? And maybe tell me a little bit about kind of the heart behind what happened in those few days. Yeah, I, I, I love that time. I love playing with John and the privilege of being in that context, essentially talking about the reality that trauma certainly is somatic, certainly psychological, but the reality of living in a fallen world is that nobody can escape something of the effects uh, on their, their heart with, for, and at times against God. And so that reality of we don't have to make these deep distinctions, uh, these radical distinctions between our, our mental health, our spiritual health, and in a sense, our, our body health. So it was, mm. it was a great joy. Now, on the other hand, I have to admit that I knocked yes. a, a, a candle over uh, and almost lit the church on fire. So, you know, when I think about that conference, <laughs> I, 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 it was great. I really, really enjoyed it, other than I, I almost burned the church down. Uh, uh, other than the candle, <laughs> the candle, that is amazing. It's so good. So, you know, at, at that conference, uh, for me, there was a realization that I had gone through trauma. And I think trauma is a word that many people disassociate from or they hear it and they think to themselves, I, I don't know, like I've never been in a car accident. I've never been, you know, sexually abused. I've never. And so suddenly I think people discount the fact that trauma has happened to all of us. Can you maybe start at a baseline level and help us understand what trauma is and how possibly it has entertained all of our lives? Yeah, such a good question, because you're, you're so right. Like, the big T traumas seem like, well, to some degree, foreign for a lot of people. But the fact is, look, we live in a fallen world, and we live mm. east of Eden, and any and death alone, if you've had yeah. anyone that matters to you die, then you already know something of what trauma brings. So, trauma is any disruption, any disintegration of shalom. So, when you go through a divorce, when your good friend goes through a divorce, mm. when you see heartache and injustice, um, global, local, you're in the face of trauma. So, it, it, you don't even have to experience something directly 
to have the effects mm. of trauma. So anytime there is this shattering of shalom, you've got yes. the beginning of trauma. And then when you experience that with some degree of powerlessness, meaning you can't affect the trajectory of what this trauma is bringing to you and to others. And in that, uh, the natural response for most of us is to, in the fragmentation, to get numb, to sort mm. of shut down. And then what often happens is some degree of isolation. So those three factors, the shattering, the numbing, the isolation, those are pretty key factors to any form of the shattering wow. of shalom. Wow. Can you unpack those words, those three words, the shattering of shalom? Okay, so so say for instance, you know, I've got I do have a lot of listeners that may have never even heard the word shalom. Can can you unpack that a little bit and what that means? Yeah, shalom is a Hebrew word that that basically means peace. But here here's the problem. Most yeah. of us think of peace as an absence of tension or conflict. Mm. Like peace out, buddy. Um right. and, and you go, no, shalom is way more like really complex sweet jazz where you've got tension complexity, wow. yet it somehow comes together in a way in which it takes your breath away. So, mm. to be in the presence, uh, I saw Michael Jordan play in Chicago. It, that's an experience of shalom. To watch yes. Brishnikov dance is an experience. To be in the presence of beauty that takes your breath away. That's mm. the experience of shalom. And what happens with trauma, if we can just be a little boring here, is that yeah, let's go. portion of our brain and our left frontal lobe, particularly an area called Broca's area, basically goes offline. That's the part of our brain that manages language. So part okay. of the shattering of shalom is we can't think well. We can't wow. reason well. So if if I were to get news, as I did a, about two months ago, that a dear okay. friend died, uh, I was in a hotel room and my wife called me and said, Len died. And I, I heard the words. I, I know her language, but I mm. could not let in, in that instant, the reality that a dear friend had just died. And when it came, she said it again, Len died. Uh, I literally collapsed. Uh, wow. My body fragmented. I could not hold the data of this shalom mm. being shattered. And mm. that sense of fragmentation is literally, we don't think well, we don't manage what's happening inside of us well. And as I said, our natural instinct is to shut down even relationally. So the mm -hmm. people who could most be of help to us in that context often are the people we shut out. So trauma, ah, I hate to put it this quickly, but sure. trauma is evil's friend. Wow. And evil loves trauma because when we get shattered, we lose trust. When, when mm. we numb, we lose hope. And when we isolate, we literally cut ourselves off from love. Wow. When we numb, we lose. So, 
So trauma happens. It, it, it could be, again, a, a moment of trauma for you. You hear this from your wife. You you collapse to the ground. Immediately, what, what somebody would do is not think, okay, I need to deal with my trauma. We Our body and our minds automatically just start dealing with the trauma, regardless of, of our intention. And, and the way that, that you're telling me that happens is suddenly we're like, okay, what can I do to make the feeling that I'm feeling go away. Oh, it, that's gosh. the numbing yes. step, right? Yes, yes. And at one level, it's a gift from God that actually <laughs> we're, we're not going to feel everything in that one moment. So, in mm. some ways, the fragmentation makes it harder to move. The numbing makes it harder to feel. But what often happens, and this is the tragedy, that we learn early in life as three, five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, 12-year-olds, that we developed a unconscious way of resolving or dealing with trauma. Uh, so we learned at a deep level, boys don't cry. Uh, or mm. uniquely, your family taught you that any form of weakness would be punished more than mm. boys don't cry. You mm. will be even hurt more if you mm. cry. So we each learned structures that become systems in our own body that we can manage the world if we just make a joke of it or we just like move on to the next thing yes. or or just be immobilized by it but whatever mm. structure is it, it it was an adaptive means by which we came to survive and we mm -hmm. need to bless that because sure. it did keep us alive yet on the other hand as often as the case what we use to survive ends up keeping us from thriving. And that wow. is the hard work of stepping into our trauma, not to damn it, not to hate it, but in many ways to learn from it. And that wow. we don't do. We don't do in the church. We don't do in our educational system. Sometimes we get to do it in therapy, but a lot of times even therapists tend not to want to engage their own trauma <laughs> therefore not yours. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay, so hold on. My brain just went 40 different places in your in your 60 second response there because when, when okay, so let me go here. When somebody okay, trauma happens and we think of numbing. So I think automatically where people go is like the 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 kind of the dirty numbing, right? Like the I'm the drinking or the porn or the, you know, artificial intimacy whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But some people maybe their version, maybe they're thinking, "Well, I'm not numbing Carlos and Dan. Like I've just moved on." Like like I I just like I'm like, "Okay, that happened. So I'm going to go work now. I'm going to go get my head and get my mind off of it." And so Talk to us about the danger of maybe we don't have that that kind of dirty, hairy, scary looking, numbing problem, but yours is work or yours is something that maybe the world would be like, oh, hey, this is great. Like the world's giving you a round of applause because something traumatic happened in your life. You are now working so hard. And look, th this guy's pouring himself into his work. Talk to us about the dangers of that middle section of trauma, of that, of that numbing and detaching even if it's not an ugly looking sin. Uh, let me just say, this is why it's so much fun to be with you. Uh, that's just a brilliant <laughs> question. Because most of Thank us you. do have a history of dirty numbing uh, at right. some point 
and maybe we quote unquote grew out of it into healthier ways to engage. And again, I'm not wanting to say that looking forward, being persistent, mm -hmm. resilient, isn't, it's a lovely gift. So we're yes. having to actually hold a certain nuance that a lot of beautiful things also have brokenness. Mm -hmm. A lot of broken things have some real beauty. But if we can just say the inability to truly mourn, Okay, you, you have this phrase from from Jesus's Beatitudes where it's a pretty stunning number of thoughts, but where he yes. goes, blessed. Like, okay, really? Blessed, blessed <laughs> are those who mourn. And you go, now nah, that's not my experience, baby. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Blessed are those who mourn. And here's the next phrase. And they will be comforted. Well, wow. that's the very core of what fragmentation and numbing bring, is a lack of ability to be comforted. So mm. when you end up comforting yourself, you can do that, but it's not the same as the comfort of others. So, all right, we talked a little bit about trauma and the brain. Let's just yeah. say that the brain, when you're in trauma, uh, begins to produce something called stress biochemicals. And we know those okay. as cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, catecholamines, a bunch of stuff that basically ramps you up, ramps you to flee, ramps you to fight, or even to shut down. But mm. what happens is that those stress biochemicals, usually last. Like if you get enraged, a road rage, you're going to be high on cortisol for eight hours, meaning everything wow. else you do for eight hours is going to be affected by those stress biochemicals just running through your body. Eight hours. Eight hours. And it's going to affect you. Now, again, not the same at the seventh, eighth hour as in the first couple hours. Sure. But, but you're high. You are freaking high on stress <laughs> biochemicals. Now, here's the point. What allows those to begin to come down? Well, it's a lovely biochemical called oxytocin, which we know as the bonding biochemical. Well, okay. blessed are those who mourn, for they will be given the opportunity to have oxytocin. You see, you, you can comfort wow. yourself, but you don't produce your own oxytocin. Y you need the other in order for your body to generate this wonderful biochemical that gives you a sense of connection and intimacy. So when we handle trauma by our own, let me use a hard word, our own self-righteous ways of managing pain. They mm. work yeah. up to a point, but it doesn't change the brain. It doesn't change those neural pathways. It only mm. confirms I'm alone, I need to take care of myself, and I will provide what I need. Well, that's a violation of every social construct, a violation ultimately <laughs> of a Trinitarian God. So mm. we need one another, but hear the next phrase, we need one another's grief. We need wow. one another's lament because when we hold one another in grief, and, and, and again, not resolve, not advice, not counsel, but just the ability uh, in the Hebrew context, Jewish context, to sit Shiva, to be able to hold grief together, it literally changes our brain.
This episode is sponsored by Better Help. Y'all know how much I believe in better help. Not only because I'm a big believer in therapy myself, but because I've seen what not only good therapy, but what better help has done for some of my closest friends. It's so easy for us to get caught up in what everyone else needs from us and never take a moment to think about what we need from ourselves. I know this is the case, especially for someone like me that creates content that hopefully is helping people for a living. One of the last things I remember to do is to help myself. When I spend all my time giving, it leaves me feeling stretched and thinned and honestly burned out. And so for me, therapy gives me the tools to help me find more balance in my life. And I know that it can do the same for you. So if you've ever benefited from therapy, What I would love for you to do is to tell a friend about BetterHelp. And if you think that you could benefit from therapy, I have something for you. And that is BetterHelp is going to give you 10% off your first month. Listen to this. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Human Hope today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash human hope. I've got a question for you. Is hiring challenging for you? Yeah. Well, do you love a challenge? Sure. Okay. Well, let me tell you something. You actually could use a hiring partner that can level up the game for you. And that hiring partner is Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. They actually streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. Like candidates literally fill out forms that they will match with you. And even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed is an unbelievably powerful hiring platform, delivering four times, listen to this, four times more hires than all other job sites combined. And that is according to Talent Nest from 2019. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash human hope. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash human hope. Just go to indeed.com slash human hope and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast, indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Wow. How, how do you hold someone else's grief? How, how, like, like, how how does that, how is that even possible? You want to, I want to rush into my friend who's experiencing trauma and I want to be, I'm Googling on the way over there, five things to say to my friend that just got divorced. And I want, and you're telling me just to run in with whatever Greek word you just said and to sit there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, am, yeah. I'm, I was with a good friend by the name of Reggie Kidd, who used to teach New Testament at Reformed Seminary in Orlando. We're sitting or standing next to one another, and he looked at me at one point, and he goes, are you crying more? And I looked at him, and I said, yeah, a lot more. And he goes, huh. yeah, we're, we're, we're near death. We're old men, and we have so much more to grief. And oh. it was such a relief, literally, oh. to have somebody ask, are you crying more? <laughs> yeah, I am. How about you? Yeah. Well, th that simple question, uh, let me just say, in a whole lifetime, you know, I'm 70, in a whole lifetime, yeah. I I've never had anyone ask me that question. Are you crying more? Wow. And it was sweet, connecting, but also that reality of how do we live in a insanely freaking polarized, cruel, sadistic, political, let alone oh. a ecclesial and relational realm where people are literally killing each other through words? Mm. How do we how do we engage this without lament? So I think in that sense, justice begins with joint lament. When we can grieve wow. together, we can move together. And that sense wow. of an old, white, cisgendered male, how do I grieve with my BIPOC friends, a world that I'm yeah. actually more responsible for creating than suffering? How, mm. how do I grieve with friends whose bodies, internal struggles are so different than mine. And mm. I think you come back to a phrase that's just staggering. Uh, when Paul just throws this out like it's no big thought, grieve with those who grieve, weep with those who weep, wow. rejoice with those who rejoice. Can we tune our emotional orientation to joining one another? Irrespective of what the cause is, can we join? And I think that's one of the great challenges of a traumatic world where we isolate and end up, in many ways, becoming even more independent and self-righteous than we were before the harm. And that isolation is that third, I think the third piece of, of trauma that you were talking about, like, like the, that, that is where we go and we feel, you know, I, I'm doing some research for my next book and I've just, I, I, the book is, is about technology and our souls and our relationship with technology. But suddenly through my research, it's more turning into a book about loneliness and just how we're the most connected we've ever been. In, our, in the history of humanity, but we are lonelier and more isolated than we've ever been. So that last piece is the isolation actually, you know, quadrupling the amount of trauma and the uh, and what is happening to us. Talk to us a little bit about the isolation piece. Well, I, I love that you're working on that. And the reality is technology gives you more opportunity to, quote unquote, be like God than mm. anything else, because you know, I can be with friends in Ukraine and mm, uh, yeah. in the sense of I have something close to omniscience. I have something close to omnipresence. And uh, I don't have omnipotence, but I have the counterfeit of it. So that reality of I can be anywhere with anyone virtually at any time yeah. with some degree of at least perceived, if not foolishly illusionary power put all that together, and whenever you attempt to be like God, you, you, you're in a realm uh, of delusion. 
Like, yeah, you, you, you have truly cut yourself off from reality in some form. So when we cut ourselves off from the reality that we're creatures, yes. not creators, creatures, and therefore I don't have the authority that the creator has. I, I end up mm. becoming, and again, I, I, I don't want to just throw a word out, but we become, even if we're not personally, we, we get into the river of narcissism where yes. nothing is more important uh, at some level than me, my rights, my authority, my own feeling. And all of a sudden, we become isolated islands of narcissism cut off wow. because we presumed the same power that Eve had and Adam had mm. when they ate the fruit to be like God. And you go, that's yeah. not a good thing to attempt to be that which I'm not. Yes. And, and, and I think at that point, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like we're accidentally becoming narcissists. Like, like nobody, no, nobody's like, like being like today, I'm going to be a narcissist, but you know, I'm not gonna be a narcissist, but I, I am, you know, going to film every, every facet of my life today, put it out there so that you can tell me how amazing my life is. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, like, like yes. I, I accidentally became a narcissist, but man, it feels good. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that feels good. You know, if you've ever been caught in a river, you know, where all of a sudden, you, you know, you're wading out five, four or five feet and all of a sudden the current takes you out, yeah. your feet out. And you don't want to be, it's dangerous, but you're in the flow. And I feel yeah. like that's a good example. Accidental narcissism is yeah. you just got taken out, but now you're in it. Yeah. You've got to work really hard to yes. get yourself out of that particular flow. Yes. Yes. No, it's, it is a lot harder. And then your waiters fill up and then it's, and then, and then it's over. Then your accidental <laughs> yeah, then nar narcissism has killed you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. I, I, I wasn't planning on going here, but I want to go back to something that you said, because I, I think that, that just uh, various points of views on this could be very helpful. You know, you were talking about how we are in this deeply polarized, ugly, divisive climate and culture. And we go back to what Paul was saying, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. And I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't read Greek. I, I don't, I'm not, you know, skilled in reading the Bible in different languages, but I don't think it says mourn that for the, with those that mourn that vote like you, look like you, think like you, love like you, talk like you. I, I don't think it says be, be joyful with those who look like you, think like you, vote like you. So suddenly I feel like, like we're actually being called to do this if if we if we only if we cut it in half then we're not fulfilling the truth of that of that calling how dan do you or how do we or how have you seen it done well where it is possible to mourn with those who mourn that you may vehemently disagree with their points of view in you know socioeconomic challenges or whatever it may be talk to us about it a little bit about that it's such an important question and again it's it's where that whole core sense of who are we and what are we for? And mm. uh, look, when I say who are we, when I say we are beloved creatures, yeah. we, we are beloved children of God, which always comes with that word adoption. I'm, mm. I'm adopted. And in that, I, I have all the rights and privileges therein appertaining. However, in one sense, it is not a natural 
shall we say, ease that I'm, I am just the biological children of God. So, it, knowing you're adopted, it puts you mm. in the position of this, I know trauma. My body knows trauma. Even yeah. if you were one day old when you were adopted, you know trauma. Something of the world hasn't worked. So, when mm -hmm. we open that door to the reality that who I am is holding this word beautiful and broken. Uh, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm from a broken world, and I'm made in the image of God. Like, I'm more beautiful yeah. than the Grand Canyon. Now, that's, that's, that's a very strong statement. That is. But the, the Grand Canyon's not made in the image of God, though it's a really amazing <laughs> hole in the dirt. So, when we hold this complexity about who we are, it means we can hold the complexity of one another. Mm. Uh, you're a broken man. You're a beautiful man. I've, I've, I've heard you a number of times on the podcast. I love how you engage. So, the reality is, if we can hold what's true of ourselves, I think we can hold better what's true of others. We are uh. deeply broken. We are deeply beautiful. And one doesn't cancel the other out. Right. So, why would I be surprised that you're stunning? Why would I be surprised that you can be a poop? Uh, and, <laughs> you know, if we're on my podcast, I would say it a little differently. But yeah. let's just say that that reality we can hold together. And, yes. And, yes. And yet, in holding it, now uh, what yeah. I get to, to, to be amazed by is that I, I get to actually learn from I get to receive from you because of, of the beauty and goodness of your life. I get to give to you what's true yeah. of my own beauty and goodness. So, yes. there is this generosity that comes when we understand who we are. And yes. yet, the question is, what are we made for? Uh -huh. We're made to give glory to God. We're, we're made, whether we eat or drink, which the most basic basic things in life, eating and drinking, we're mm. meant to eat in a way where we celebrate, where we party, where we play, yeah. where we have joy together. But that means if I know joy with you, then I also know heartache with you. Yeah. And, and that ability to weep together and to be able yes. to laugh together is what it means to eat well for the glory of God in one another's beauty yes. and brokenness, in which case it is good. Now, again, yes. I am not a Trump Republican, never have been, never will be. And so, when I'm with my Trump Republican friends, uh -huh. uh, we have tension. Yeah. We have tension. And it ain't thin. It is thick. <laughs> Very thick. Right. But here's the difference, and that is, at least with some of my friends, yeah. we still weep together, and we still laugh mm. together. And that is what holds us oxytocin bond together when there wow. are strong differences. Now, in yes. that play, it's going to require us to continue to be deeply attuned to one another, to uh -huh. hold one another, but also be rapid in the repair, to be able to uh. say that who I voted for president you think is a communist, who mm -hmm. you voted for president, uh, I think is an anarchist. Uh, all yes. right. So now we've got really deep, different views about yes. America. And are we both committed to the kingdom of God? And wow. is the kingdom of God America? 
I don't mm. think so. And <laughs> even my Trump Republican friends, uh, even though it, it's hard for them to say, they actually would say that the kingdom of Absolutely. God is not the same as America. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I mean, I, I, last, I opened my Bible yesterday. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find America anywhere in there. So, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I, I appreciate everybody getting to at least that theological viewpoint. That's just so beautiful, you know, that be, but being quick to repair, I think is, it, that's the thing that we've forgotten is, is actually possible. I think so many of us are walking around going like, well, the last three years just jacked up my relationship with my friend that I was friends with for 20 years. And well, I mean, used to see what they're posting on Facebook and, but there, the, the repair is possible, you know, and, and, but it's going to take sacrifice. And that's, I tell people that all the time, like it's going to take you sacrificing just as much as you want them to sacrifice, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Curiosity. It, again, if there is this shared sense of we can weep and laugh together, yes. then there's a greater curiosity. And that is some of my divergent political friends. I, I respect them and their thinking, yeah. uh, not their decisions, notice, yeah. but I want to hear how they've come to a particular decision. And that, shall we say, that labyrinth-like process of hearing yes. another person's way of thinking, we're talking about labor, meaning yes. it doesn't happen over a text. It doesn't ha happen even over a phone call. Back to this notion of food, drink, time. Mm. Like if you're not eating and drinking with friends, even the ones you differ with, yeah. then it, again, a meal that lasts longer than the average American meal right now lasts 12 minutes. What? Yeah. I mean, I mean 90 I act years surprised, ago, but it's true. Yeah. 90 years ago, the figure is something along the lines of between an hour and two hours, maybe 90 minutes. Well, wow. that's where discussion, conversation, political yes. debate, uh, spiritual formation occurred dinner table because it's the most intimate place for mm. engagement other than sexuality in the proverbial bedroom. So wow. why would we think that fast food and quick conversations, text messages are any means to deal with the human heart? Wow. They aren't. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Y'all know what time it is. It's time to feed my gigantic 125 pound Bernese mountain dog. And why I love to feed my dog is because what I know is going into its belly, into its pie hole is some good stuff. Sundays. Sundays is the healthy dog food that's actually easy to store and serve. And it makes you feel so good about feeding Rome and Hawk Sundays. Sundays is air-dried dog food made from a short list of human-grade ingredients. Sundays was co-founded by Dr. Tori, a practicing veterinarian. Listen to this. Sundays contains 90% meat. That's a lot of meat. 
10% vegetables, and 0% synthetic nutrients. Besides USDA beef and all-natural chicken, you'll find digestive aids like pumpkin, ginger, plus disease-fighting antioxidants. I mean, y'all, listen, I'm about to eat some Indeed myself because that sounds amazing. I love how much my dogs devour Sundays every single time that I pour it in their bowls. It's affordable. It costs 40% less than other healthy dog food brands out there because they don't waste money on shipping or frozen packages. Nope. And listen, we worked out a special order or deal for our dog loving listeners. Get 35% off your first order of Sundays. Go to sundaysfordogs.com slash human hope or use code human hope at checkout. That's S-U-N-D-A-Y-S-F-O-R-D-O-G-S dot com forward slash human hope. Upgrade your pup to Sundays and feel good about the food you feed your dog. Holy cow. I, I wish this comp- freaking podcast could be 15 hours. I'm just going to have to keep bringing you back on my podcast because you're so much fun. This is, this is, this is really helpful. I, I do want to turn, turn a corner here and maybe land in this direction as people are hearing this conversation. They're like, okay, okay. All right, Carlos Dan, like I, I, I now I'm closing my, hopefully I'm not while I'm driving, but I'm closing my eyes and I'm thinking, uh, okay, the trauma has happened. Yes, you're right. Like I, I, I get it. Oh, I, not only has it happened in my childhood, but it's happening right now. What do I do now? Like, okay, like, like I, I see myself, I see myself in isolation. I see myself numbing. I see myself doing these things. What, what, what practically can somebody do to begin to find their way out or begin to deal with what happened to them 15, 20 years ago? Yeah. Well, the first thing is get a freaking pen. Get a pen. (laughs) Now, I don't personally like pencils, so I I just can't say that. Get a pen and a pad of paper. (laughs) And what happens is the portion of our brain, and when I said that, I didn't say your computer. What we've known is that your ability to put thoughts down on paper is an intersection between what we call the limbic brain and the cortical brain, between our thinking and feeling brain. So one of the things that just seems too simple is, would you write yourself a note? Uh, Would you not, Mm. not a list, like a to-do list, but a note like, like, okay, you've heard some of this podcast and you've got a memory of eighth grade being in the locker room and humiliated by older boys. It came back. Yeah. All right, just write it down. Like, the locker story, room. Just write that story down? Just Well, just even like locker room. Oh, oh even, boys, the, even just the place, yeah. Just like a couple of phrases. And then maybe that's going to be all you can do. And then mm. you go, well, but an hour a day later, write five to 10 sentences. Now you can see the progression. Once yeah. you begin to put a little bit of language, your brain yes. begins to change. What, wow. what we know about the brain is this lovely phrase, neuroplasticity, which basically is yes. a way of saying your brain can change. It can mm. literally change. But I have to have the courage to, in one sense, return to where the trauma occurred, context, to the people in the trauma, characters, to the plot of the trauma, meaning the movement from A to B to C to D, some of the dialogue. And what often people say is, but I don't remember. And the answer Uh is, well, you you knew enough to say locker room and and humiliation. So you can imagine 
you don't have to have exact memory, but you can begin to imagine some of what likely got said to you as you're mm -hmm. aware that your body, as a boy, was being humiliated. Uh, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure <laughs> out what, what got named, what got said, yeah. how you felt. As you begin to write what will feel to some degree like fiction, because mm. you, you don't have all the details, yes. you're actually connecting at least to a portion of what occurred. Now, we're not in a court of law. Uh, you don't have to hold your hand up and say <laughs> the, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But you're beginning to reclaim literally brain territory yes. by end engagement. So, it, put it most simply, you, you can't change what you don't name. But naming, wow. that naming isn't just an intellectual, like an investigational, it's will you put yourself in the position of what that eight-year-old felt? And again, this is maybe for some people pretty weird to hear this. You literally yeah. got an eight-year-old in you because yeah. those neurons, billions of neurons <laughs> configured when you were eight to remember something of what that event was. And you're tapping True. into something of that neural pathway to engage. And what generally happens is uh, there's anger or grief, uh, mm. meaning you begin to break down something of the facade of numbness. And in that grieving, this is, again, naming, owning, yes. feeling. Yes. But here's the key word in the context, eventually, of somebody who can hold those stories with you. And that's yes. a good therapist, a good friend who's, in one sense, further on the path of story redemption than you might be. So, it can be a spiritual mm. director, it can be a coach, it can be a good therapist, a pastor. It just needs to be a human being who may be yes. just a little bit more mature than you, who's going to engage <laughs> your life. Are you saying, Dan, that I, I can't go to chat AI, chat GPT and just put in, put in like, hey, can you tell me how to get better? And then it's the chat, the AI can like, like help me. It's got to be an actual living, breathing human. That's awesome. Uh, you know, that's scary. Uh, I mean, just even that thought is like, uh, no, uh, no, 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 he yells it. Grab a freaking pen. Okay. And listen, we don't want it. We don't want to like create division. If you're a pencil lover, you can grab a pencil as well. <laughs> You know, we don't want to stand on issues. We'll walk with people. We'll walk with the pencil people. I'm a pen guy too. <laughs> it's like cats and dogs on that one. Yes. No, it is. It's like cats and dogs. But no, that that is very, I think that is very helpful. You know, that, you know, the, fir the first step doesn't have to be Googling a therapist, you know, in your area. Just open up your journal and write it down. Gosh. Yeah. That, that is, that, that, that's very helpful. You are, you're, you, you live, where, where do you live? Where am I even talking to you from right now? Where are you well, at? I, I live near Seattle on a lovely okay. little island called Bainbridge Island. Okay. Okay. Is that where, is that where I'm looking at you on my screen yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're, um, you're on Bainbridge Island, uh, but you're, you're part of, are you, is it the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology? Theology. Yeah. Oh, theology. Okay, theology and psychology, and yeah. and you you have a program there where where you help people. I, I would assume students that are wanting to help other people work through tr trauma these, these things. What well, one thing I do want to ask you is: Are there places? Yeah, I know I do know a lot of people that 
walk this tension between, yeah, oh yeah, I'm on the inner healing prayer team at my church, but I also have a psychology degree or I, 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 I desire to like really look into the psychology side of things, but also I'm a believer in the supernatural side of things. Are there places besides it's Seattle that, that help people and, and can train people to walk through these things? Oh, that's a t- uh, painful question. Uh, I'm dear yeah. friends oh, with yeah. John Good. Eldridge. I'm glad I asked it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Wild at Heart Ministries, uh, I'm very, very fond of. And yeah. you and I know, uh, at least in the Nashville area, Al Andrews. There, yeah. are, there are individuals, there are groups. Right. Uh, on-site, I, I believe, is just a, a beautiful, beautiful place. So th- th- let's just say the divisions between spheres— um, yes. There is a division in the sense between yeah. talking about our body versus yeah. talking about our inner world. And yet, we're the same person. And mm. the same way we can talk about our relationship with God, w- w- that's affecting our body. Yeah. Bad theology is bad for your body. Yes. Uh, and, and so, <laughs> in that sense, w- the distinctions should never be divisions. They should be opportunities for more curiosity from a perspective, like facets of a diamond. You don't look at the diamond and go, I don't like that facet. It's not part of the diamond. And you go, oh, really? Well, (laughs) it kind of looks like it is. And so in the same way, I believe when I work with deeply harmed human beings or subtly abused human beings— that there's a spiritual dimension. Evil loves trauma. Yeah. So how can I engage the reality of our own structure relationally yes. without being aware that evil has a plan and it wants to thieve, it wants to steal and kill and mar? So mm. all I can say is I hope that there will be a growing, I don't like the word yes. integration, but a, a growing play and honor between spheres that yes. opens the door to a heightened level of maturity and sophistication in dealing with the human condition. Absolutely. That is that that is very well put. And I, I'm hoping for that as well. And I just want, I'm also hoping that you really feel appreciated and loved because I am so grateful that you took the time just to unpack some of these things that I think is going to be really helpful for my listeners. Thank you, Dan. Well, my honor again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan, for uh, for just giving us all of your wisdom. And I'm better for it. This is one of those podcasts that I'm going to listen to over and over and over again, and I know you are too. You guys know what I want you to do. Please share this with somebody that you think this conversation is going to help them. So many people can be helped with this conversation, so please share it. Follow the show. Do all the things you know that can help me continue to help you. I am grateful, and I think we're going to queue up Dr. Delight right. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, yes, that is it. Dr. Delight is in the house. And what I want to say is I will be back here next week for, (laughs) are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? A Carlos Alone edition of the Human Hope Podcast. That's right. But what I'm going to be teaching is something you're not going to want to miss. Okay, maybe there will be a special guest but more special than you can even imagine. 
trust me. Just trust me. I don't want to give too much away. Show up next week on another episode of the Human Podcast, and I will talk to you soon.